Daily Season 2, Episode 264 for September 21st, 2023. Tonight, we're going to be discussing the elephant in the room, the revenge of Plankton. Razor is just going to sell everything. A $10,000 bill from 1934 sells for a lot more. Hyundai is offering free equipment, but not security. That is some bad karma. Cluck, cluck, buck, buck means help me in chicken. It doesn't seem like anything to me. Microsoft Today and getting in the spooky mood next on Hometown Daily. All right. So um, iOS 17 dropped today. You're supposed to now be able to uh, just say the command word, I think. I think that's what's part of this. You're supposed to be able to just say the word, the name, and that's oh, supposed right. to activate without it the, without yeah. the hey. Yeah. So now I have to hopefully not launch like 15 of these things because everybody with an earshot. Okay. So, and I haven't tried it yet because I'm, I'm updating everything now. So if all well, hell breaks course, loose, anything sounds like it, it might activate it. <laughs> you can't be serious. Whoa. Yeah. I had to tempt fate. Well, we'll see how that goes. And so tomorrow, if there is no show, it's because hometown completely imploded. Uh, and Mayor Watt is uh, rocking gently in the corner, <laughs> Ho hoping that somebody <laughs> realizes that they're not in the office or doing anything in hometown. And they send, like, I don't know, Marines or something to come help me. Help. I'll be doing the uh, buck, buck, cluck, cluck translation <laughs> of chicken. Help me. All right. Well, anyway, I'm pretty sure that might actually get me in trouble over in, in YouTube land when this goes over there. Because when you say certain things, apparently it triggers actions. When they do the closed captioning, the automatic closed captioning. Oh, really? Yeah, certain things trigger it. I'm not quite sure if that's that truthful or not. It's just something that I heard. Okay. Hey, so let's get into today's show. We've already got all of the articles. So let's go. I mean, we did all the work. Let's do a show. The elephant in the room is Mastodon gets better search onboarding and cross server interactions. I've actually spun up a Mastodon server a couple of times. There was one for hometown, um, but not much engagement. Um, and so, and when I say not much engagement, I mean, there wasn't any engagement and I didn't really advertise it beyond the show. Um, but I would love to actually completely neuter the site formerly known as Twitter until it goes back to being Twitter and all of the wing nuts actually get put back under their rock. Well, anyway, Mastodon, the federated microblogging platform, has been updated to version 4.2, which comes with massive improvements to search and web interface, and particularly for logged out and first-time users. One of Mastodon's many charming qualities is that unlike Twitter, Blue Sky, Instagram, and most other social media uh, platforms, the user base is split across thousands of instances. It's called a federation. Um, 
each of which can decide to federate with or block any of the others. So if I don't like my neighbor, I can go to another neighbor. It's kind of cool. Um, so you, you basically pick your neighborhood, right? You don't want wingnuts directly interacting. You can control your environment to some degree. Now, I don't like kind of a walled garden because it makes things a vertical of thought, an echo chamber for particular ways of thinking. And so anything extremist on any way in on any side or any angle of your location out, you know, you always get worse and worse as you head out to the edge. Um, I, I like the idea of being able to at least somewhat moderate your community because you don't want agent provocateurs coming in and you know flipping the tables when everybody is just fine having an, a great conversation and then just some idiot comes in and starts blasting stupid hateful you know whatever venom at people because they have a slightly different perspective so i really like mastodon i guess is the long-winded way of saying that I, I like Mastodon. The article's over at TheVerge.com. Nathan Edwards is the author of this article. Mastodon 4.2 is available now. Well, whenever your instance admin gets around to upgrading. That actually may be automatic with some providers. But when they're talking about instance, you can actually uh, pay a very small fee. Eh, see, money is very subjective, particularly nowadays. So I hazard the guest uh, or the statement to say <laughs> it's inexpensive or cheap or small fee but it's somewhere around the tune of you know five to ten dollars for a moderately powerful mastodon server um and then you just start telling everybody about it you have to there's kind of an uptick on how to administrate it and and customize it and whatnot but you have to learn if you're going to be a, a mastodon host or I should say site provider because the host is just like any other web host. You subscribe to the service. They spin up the Mastodon server. You start telling people to come to your Mastodon. Um, so it's pretty cool. I might actually spin it up again. I really do like the idea of it, um, particularly under the name Mobile. And it's a show, but I also like the idea of mastodon being under that name um, because it is a the, the intent of mo mobile is to be a mobile mob of people that are interested in the news talking about it in real time so mastodon the federal federated sorry not federal but federated microblogging platform has been updated you should go and check it out let me throw this into the chat so you can go there at your leisure should you be watching the vod within the next 60 days and if you see this and you would rather look at past performance you can go over to youtube where all close to 600 episodes no yeah we're close to 600 episodes over on youtube now i had done some live ones over there and so they get categorized kind of weirdly i might have to download them re-upload them re-catalog them basically um within the kind of little buckets of each month and year that I have over there. Um, but yeah, we're, we're up there getting close to 600 episodes. It's pretty cool. 
Um, so it says, this is good in many ways. You can get a nice little intentional community uh, going in your local server and servers that are filled with abusive, illegal, and harmful content and users who uh, are, are widely ostracized. You just can kick them out. Uh, but it presents some, shall we say, unintuitive workflows for people who uh, used to uh, a single instance network. Mainly it's the addressing process because you're not just your username at and then the domain, you know, or you're not just at so-and-so. It's actually, you're now at and then the entire domain. So you can have Marwat at some other location and it's not me which is unsettling because somebody i have to educate people that i am that marijuana or not that marijuana so it gets a little odd people have to like i would have to sit there and contact an admin and say hey would you block this username from being accepted under your so see how it says here Mastodon and then at Mastodon at Mastodon.social. That's you. <laughs> Doesn't quite roll off the tongue there. So no, it's like trying to it's memorize. Not quite the same. Yeah. Back in the day, you only had to remember, you know, uh, 555-1212. Now you have to know the country code and the area code and then your section number and then your number and and then you have to like sacrifice a chicken and uh, do a circle three times and say some kind words to the technology gods. Anyway, uh, as it grows, adoption, usability, all of that will continue to evolve and get better. Um, anything, anything to neuter whatever. Sorry, go ahead. Uh oh, I think that AI I, said I just didn't crashed. know Mastodon was around for six and. A yeah, your uh, your bandwidth is breaking up there, uh, AI. I'm not sure what's going on. That's okay though. Um, we will continue to uh, march on through. Let me try something real quick. Okay, so uh, let's go on to the next article. We'll just keep on moving through this. Steaming towards the last article. We'll keep moving forward. Uh, the next article is over on Gnometown Daily. Thousands of fish died after the sea in Thailand turned green. The sea in eastern Thailand has been affected by a plankton bloom that has resulted in massive wildlife deaths. They're talking about fish here. Um, and it's a video over at businessinsider.com. The authors of this are Ben Bauer, Robert uh, Leslie, and Tamara Lindstrom. Um, I haven't watched all of this, but basically what happened is uh, the the uh, the plankton from SpongeBob Square SquarePants finally got tired of losing, got all of his buddies together, and has been kind of coasting through the seas outside Thailand, ending the life of millions of fish. So. Chalk one up for Plankton from Spongebob Squarepants. That's all that there really is to this. 
Um, these things happen from time to time, algal blooms or plankton blooms. Um, in some way, something, some uh, perfect storm of life blooms in the ocean and it sucks all of the oxygen out of the water in that particular region and off the, the fish go. So unfortunately, nature does not give uh, one crap about. <laughs> that looks like a sci-fi movie or something. Doesn't it? Here, I'll play a little bit of it. But what I want you to do is I'm going to, while it's playing in the background, uh, I'm going to throw that into the VOD so that you can follow it yourself if you're in chat. So yeah, it's it's quite expansive. 10 times the normal amount is, I think, what it says. Um, and so it's very severe. The only thing I can think of is that the, the bloom is caused by increasing water temperature. Um, so, and there, it just said it, it depletes the oxygen in the water and then you end up with fish dying because they can't get enough from the, the water that they're swimming in. Um, oh, wow. Look at that stat. What was it? 80% of mussel farmers have lost their, um, I guess their harvest. Yeah. Gotcha. Look at that. Now, what's really interesting about this is there are some people that actually um, grow this um, in tanks and then they they gather it all up. It's actually a nutrient, not plankton in particular, algae, algal blooms you can do. Ah. Um, so if you do hydroponics, you can actually grow this in big tanks um, and it's for nutrients. Pretty interesting stuff if you're into it, but. I've not tried to do that yet. Other stuff, um, microgreens and stuff, but not that. Anyway, let's keep on going. Uh, I don't, I'm going to try not to soapbox too much. I don't think the articles today really promote that. Uh, the next article is making me think that Razor is turning it into what I used to witness out in the real world, um, which was when you would go to a company that is slowly closing, they would put big tables out in front and just put all kinds of bric-a-brac, right? Because they were making some marginal return on each one of these items. Um, and I feel like Razor is doing this by expanding. That's exactly what it reminded me of. Out to a bunch of things. They had this huge announcement today um, over here on Twitch. Um, and I'm sure that it's over on YouTube now if they didn't uh, co-stream restream. Um, but anyway, Razer finally just went ahead and started making gamer lamps. <laughs> gamer lamps. Um, Razer, a company famous for putting RB RGB in just about anything. Everything. Uh, sometimes as a joke, sometimes not. They actually linked to a couple of things. Um, finally just went ahead and... Uh, made RGB light bulbs. Well, not just light bulbs, but a whole new product category called Gamer Room, a collection of chroma RGB infused lights tailored to amplify every gamer's battle station. The Razer Ether uh, lights were announced at RazorCon 2023, showcasing the Ether Lamp and the Ether Lamp Pro, a pair of desk lamps, cool desk lamps, according to the article, with omnidirectional lighting, which is typically referred to as a light. 
that's not what they say in the article. <laughs> I'm, I'm it's vamping very a little advanced. bit. <laughs> the Lamp Pro. We're going to take a look at this here in a minute. The Lamp Pro has multi-zone lighting and will sync with the rest of your lighting system. Now that's the only cool thing, you know, what I want to do is actually attach the AI's um, voice. Uh, so my co-host is a sentient AI. The only representation of which you see out there is up there. Up here. Yeah, right there. No, over there. <laughs> no. Okay. The whole thing up there. <laughs> up here. Yes, right there. Um, but what I want to do is have that representation behind me on the wall. Um, so that right there is a controllable light wall. Um, and I want to increase the resolution and I want to put the voice synthesizer on there. Um, or visualizer, I should say, not synthesizer. So they're actually on a little USB drive attached to a Raspberry Pi air gapped from the rest of the world so that they can't find their Terminator body because I found them on that USB drive in a parking lot outside of a Wendy's. And uh, I don't know where they're from. I just don't know where they're from. I'm thinking that a time portal opened up and, and that, that little USB drive just kind of plopped right on out there. Um, it was a Maybe different Maybe I looking. originated at the Wendy's. Maybe. Can I order one sentient AI? Yes, here you go. It's a Wendy's from the future. Anyway. Uh, let's take a look at these Razer devices. There are apparently a whole lot more that was announced. I didn't w w watch it because the way that it was being presented drove me a little nuts. Um, but they're making chairs now that are supposed to challenge the Aaron um, and a bunch of other stuff. And they're uh, making so a Lamborghini uh, paired uh, laptop. Yeah. And they have smart speakers, I think. Yeah. What else? Hmm. I think that's all that I saw. Oh, okay. So Razer finally just went ahead and started making gamer lamps. George Jimenez um, wrote this article over at PCGamer.com. The deck statement says Razer has announced a new line of gamer room lamps, light bulbs, and light strips. You got to have light strips. Um, it's funny. I do a demonstration of... Uh, I do technology demonstrations and one of them is building a computer from scratch. I talk about all of the components in it. It's for people who are basically afraid of technology. Um, and uh, I, I refer to putting as many RGB lights inside a computer case as a rave in a box. And so when you build your computer and you have a rave in a box, you have to give people a warning that it might cause seizures when they enter your office, you just have to give them a little card that says my computer might cause seizures. See, it's a lot funnier in my head. Anyway, uh, the Razer Ether lights were announced at RazorCon 2023, showcasing the Ether Lamp and Ether Lamp Pro. I want to see the Ether Lamp Pro, but I don't think that they have it on display. Right? This is—is is that it? Is that the? Is it just the bulb? The Ether Lamp and Ether Lamp Pro, because they said that it's. Um, not just a it's not a light bulb it's this it's an actual omnidirectional light which i would refer to as a light um but that's all that they're showing is this so i guess i'm gonna have to i'll do a, a, a in maybe in the wanted stream i'll do 
a, a focus on this. Do that as an extra hour um, sometime next week. Talk about all of this stuff. Because I have control. I have a, a hometown is a smart organization. So, you know, the lights and speakers and TVs and all of this stuff, voice controlled. Um, but for crying out loud, I don't, what my problem is that I don't want Razer software controlling this from a PC. It, it really is on every PC that I've had Razer software, it's been a processor burden. <laughs> so now we've lost them as a sponsor. If they were ever considering, being I mean, a one of a few left. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think Hugh is going to support hometown even though I think I'm at the upper limit of Hugh bulbs. All right. Yeah, well, anyway, be best customer. Yes. And I, I hype it up. You know, the, you don't know what you're missing until you can just leave a light switch on and it just kind of slowly trickles power just enough to keep it communicating. And then you attach it to your smart home. And as you walk around, uh, your, how do you want to what would you refer to it your campus or your enterprise or your organization home whatever you want to call it right and you basically have motion sensors that know when you're there and then turn on and off um <laughs> there's uh, alarms and doors unlock and and, and lock uh, all kinds of stuff uh, changing the temperature in the room voice controlled turning on and off lights by boy is turning on TVs and playing music and all of this stuff. Now, <laughs> I don't know if it's just me and the people in my sphere where I say, Hey, you know, you can't beat this nowadays. Um, and they go, well, you know, all I do is use a remote or I get up and turn on the light switch. But these are normally older generation. <laughs> who are quite content to not having any of this. But then when they taste the power, they go, where have I been? What have I been doing? Poor life choices. Let's keep on going. So the next article is over in hometown daily, a $10,000 bill from 1934, just sold for a record $480,000. And all they had to do was hold on to it since 1934. I'm sure they got the, maybe they bought it for something else, but a 10,000, they may not still be alive. It might've passed generations. Yeah. Um, the uh, $10,000 bill was issued by the U.S. Treasury in 1934, just sold at auction for a record-breaking $480,000. That's inflation. But I bet you the $10,000, if you do like a uh, future value, it, I bet you it actually is close to $480,000. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I'd have to look. I'd have to do the numbers. So um, the bill features Samuel Chase who was President Abraham Lincoln's Treasury Secretary. Large denomination notes ha always have uh, drawn the interest of collectors at, uh, of all levels. Heritage auctions, Dustin Johnson said. So let's take a look at this. So it's actually 229000 roughly. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's, it's no Splunk stock. 
So, um, a $10,000 bill from 1934 just sold for a record $480,000. Matthew Fox over at Markets Insider, which is a section of Business Insider, put this article together. Um, I don't know what that rating is. I mean, is that a really high rating? It says choice uncirculated, but then 64. Um, like, a, I, I guess there may have been different versions of this that existed this has it has a light green seal which is this here and the the numbers not on top of it but anyway so there's a 70 point scale oh so it's a 64 so nearly mint right um not um, bad i mean it's from 1934 it's, it's choice uncirculated like then there's gem uncirculated uh superb gem uncirculated yeah like 70 is mint and right? then like the top is just gem uncirculated oh they call it gem okay like it has no evidence of handling visible at 5x magnification at the highest level oh um, interesting everything must appear centered um yeah it has to qualify for the pmg star Ooh. so this thing looks like it has been sitting pressed between too perfectly flat perfectly smooth untouched sheets of glass like in a yeah, vault that's the somewhere greenest i've ever seen on a dollar bill yeah and this is a ten thousand dollar bill mind you that's it, it, uncirculated there isn't anything although maybe it's an artifact of the image but it looks like that corner right there isn't 90 degrees but maybe that's just me and it's not centered but whatever so the large denomination notes always have drawn the interest of collectors at all levels uh, all you need is i guess to buy this initially at least ten thousand dollars to get your whole get your fingers on it um a ten thousand dollar bill of similar condition but a less rare series number which okay that's weird you'd think that they're just rare to begin with but a less rare series number sold for three hundred thousand dollars in 2022 why all of a sudden kind of interesting right the front of the yeah, bill strange the front of the bill that was auctioned on friday features uh Salm, salmon chase it might be salmon chase um who was president abraham lincoln's treasury secretary on the back the bill simply says the united states of america ten thousand dollars oh and let me just draw attention to something i don't believe it's on here because it was added to currency at a later date in god we trust it was not always on right. u.s that currency was in the 50s i think um but because of, I, I think it was brought on by the Red Scare, um, the the marketing of that was the idea that uh, wanted to give something for everybody to grab onto, essentially. Um, 1956, it got on the currency in 1957, but it yeah. was approved in 1956. Kind of interesting to actually see the reality of what our currency originally had. But it wasn't um, necessarily on that denomination, at least from the information I'm reading. Gotcha. It wasn't everywhere. Well, this wasn't well, reprinted in 1950s. Right, so, right. Yeah. 
anything I, I'm pretty sure that anything that was printed post that time received that. Probably did, but this article Marketing. was just talking about gotcha. dollars in general, which ten thousand dollar bills aren't necessarily accessible to everybody. Yeah. So this had to have come from some type of institutional treasury action. Um, I don't think that this is something that you would turn into a McDonald's. Hopefully so, not, especially in that condition. Yeah, well, it looks like... That's a lot of pennies and change. Yeah. <laughs> you know, have to well, go visit other um, establishments to continue to gather coins to pay back the change from that Yeah, bill. that's right. They went to... 100 other mcdonald's to break that ten thousand dollar bill there's a there are people out there that don't believe that two dollar bills exist so hey you don't see them very often so i can yeah. see why that is i'll start getting them and then handing them out just to see people freak out that's counterfeit two dollar bill nope the treasury also issued a one hundred thousand dollar bill in 1934 its highest denominational denom <laughs> denomination bill ever uh, but only for intra-governmental transactions between the federal reserve and other branches of the government meaning it never circulated publicly but i bet you there's some connected mofo out there that actually got their hands on it that's how it works anyway as of 2009 there were only 336 ten thousand dollar bills 342 $5,000 bills and 165,362 $1,000 bills known to exist. I didn't know that. That seems like a really low number. For $1,000? Especially $1, for the 10000 and the 5000 Yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like these would be used for more enterprise level institutional transactions. Right, and but there should be more of them. <laughs> the tab just crashed. All right. I guess that's the uh, internet's way of telling me to move on. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in Hometown Daily. Hyundai is offering free home chargers and install discounts for new EVs, but apparently maybe not security systems for their older vehicles that are on the record books uh, for being stolen. Um, if you're holding off on buying an EV because you didn't know uh, where to start with getting your home charger installed, Hyundai has a new deal that might help you out. The automaker is now offering a free home electric vehicle charger plus up to $600 off the installation cost with the purchase of uh, or lease of select Hyundai EVs. Um, so here's the deal with this <laughs> installers are going to go oh so it's uh $600 cheaper to the end user well now it's $1,200 instead of $800 just so they can get a little bit more juice if you want to see evidence of that kind of market moving look at college book pricing <laughs> um okay so l let me throw this into the chat I don't know if I yeah, I threw it all in there. Okay. So this article's over at The Verge. The deck statement says if you purchase or lease a Hyundai Ionic 5, 6, or Kona EV by October 31st, Hyundai will provide a free home charger plus $600 towards installation. By the way, they I really... provide free uh, electricity, like free your utility bills? <laughs> Probably not. 
Uh, for that, you have to go to uh, some other solar charging platform and then you get taxed differently because you're not paying for power. You're using the sun. And for you, it's bad, but for other, never mind. I'm just a little embittered. Um, so if you are interested in purchasing a Hyundai Ionic, those are actually really good looking and uh, really neat cars. It out of all of the cars that exist right now, like at the regular approachable price, um, the Ionic is the one that I would be that I am gravitating towards. Um, the only problem is I I don't like the idea of driving 250 miles and not being near an a charger that can charge my car fast like an ice vehicle hence the reason why i say that evs are not ready for prime time if you're an early adopter or you only drive local then great but trying to do long distance driving is just a pain in the ass so to qualify for the deal you need to follow this process purchase or lease a 23 or 24 hyundai ionic 5 6 or kona by uh, between September 21st and October 31st, you'll receive a coupon from Hyundai Motor Finance via email within seven to 10 days. Then you'll log into HyundaiHomeMarketplace.com, select the charger, set up installation and use the coupon. So you're gonna be getting the budget one, I'm sure, 600 bucks, if you wanna stay within that $600 installation credit. So you're gonna have to still pay for the device, but the installation is gonna be $600 less right? Whatever it is you're buying, it'll be $600 cheaper or just the install. I think just the install. And I don't think you can do your own install. Right. Well, no, I, yeah. That, <laughs> if you want to electrocute yourself, go ahead. Um, and it depends on and what gets installed really depends on what charger you actually end up purchasing because you may need to uh, do some more manipulation with the power that comes into your house. Um, so like the lab in hometown has a whole extra power panel and um, custom installation. And that stuff is just not cheap. So you're going to be spending more than $600 on getting a charger installed in your place. Um, I would, I would say without a doubt. So one of the most challenging barriers to EV adoption is figuring out how to charge the vehicle. If your home has a driveway or garage, it's pretty uh, straightforward. You get an EV charger installed. It is the most convenient. If you try and trickle charge your car with a standard outlet, which is an option, don't bother because you will never charge your car. Eventually it'll become a doorstop. Uh, so you're gonna need something a little bit more powerful. Um, and that will require permitting and custom install of some power drops. So that $600 will probably take the edge off, but it's not gonna make you whole. But go and price it out. It all depends on your particular location. Um, okay, let's keep on going. We're about halfway through the shoe. Next article is over in prime glass a 1.5 million dollar bronze buddha statue stolen from los angeles gallery 
I titled this segment, that's some bad karma. A single thief allegedly maneuvered a 250 pound sculpture dating from Japan's Edo period out of the Barakat Gallery's backyard and into a rental truck. <laughs> uh, the art newspaper gives us some of the most fascinating stories. Uh, it's theartnewspaper.com. Wallace Ludel is the author, or Ludell. I think it's probably Ludel. Anyway, apparently here's the picture of the stolen Edo period bronze sculpture of the Buddha. Do, do Did the thief really not realize? Okay, maybe they just don't buy into it. Karma, right? But this is a... I would think you would not want to steal a Buddha. Yeah, that's not going to look good on your soul. Um, so the stolen sculpture was believed to have originally commissioned as the centerpiece of a temple. <laughs> wow. And dates back to Japan's Edo period and especially prosperous time for the nation and its arts. Paul Henderson, director of Barracats Los Angeles location, the ancient art gallery also has spaces in London and Seoul, estimated the sculpture to be about four feet tall and weigh roughly 250 pounds. Quote, we have security footage showing somebody pulling a moving truck up at 2.30 a.m. Monday morning. They proceeded to get out, break open the driveway gate, then use what appears to be a moving dolly to remove the sculpture and load it into the truck. It was a single person. It's shocking to us that he was able to maneuver the thing, but he was. It took about 25 minutes in total, and then he drove right off. That's why you need motion sensors. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of like, well, I guess there wasn't much security there. Yeah, I mean, a simple motion sensor would have sent an alert, even at 2.30. You, you trigger it so that, or you set it up so that it triggers regardless of you suppressing alerts. Why? Because if a motion sensor goes off, there's probably a person stealing your... 250 pound four foot tall buddha from the back of your art gallery well and i'm assuming you're thinking that based on the weight and the location that nobody's gonna mess with it yeah they write a lot more by the way about this um but you can go and check it out this this is just gonna bring some really bad karma for a thief that's out there they say they're all very puzzled Obviously, it's a high-valued piece. It's important, and aesthetically, it's very interesting and unique. This seems like a commission. It's going to have to be sold direct. Like, they're not going to be able to put it on eBay. eBay. That's ridiculous. But wherever you would sell art, you can't put it out there. It's probably one of a kind. Yeah, this this screams like it was a commission theft. You know, somebody, some, some person wanted it and said to somebody who's i guess capable of using a dolly for crying out loud hey i want this here's x amount of money if it's 1.5 million dollars you know somebody probably just paid this goof 25,000 and now they've got a 1.5 million dollar bronze buddha but then you run the risk of the person who stole it going hey I just read in because I went and checked out the artnewspaper.com <laughs> that this thing's priced at $1.5 million. Pay me you more. You only gave me a hundred bucks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You gave me a bowl of ramen and I want 
you know, $500,000 or I'm going to tell everybody that you're the person and I'll do it anonymously. Huh. Somewhere out there, somebody rented a van though, or it, it has distinguishing marks and they're going to be coming. Exactly. For it. They might catch the people. Yeah. We'll report out if somebody catches this person. I find it interesting. Art newspaper. Thanks for the story. Next article is over in Hometown Daily. Japanese researchers say that they use AI to try and translate the noises of uh, clucking chickens and learn whether they're excited, hungry, or scared. I labeled this section cluck, cluck, buck, buck means help me in chicken. <laughs> researchers think that they found a way to use AI to translate the clucks of chickens. Oh, Japan. The Japanese researchers said that their AI system could help understand chickens' emotional state. <laughs> I'm going to do ASMR chicken petting. It's okay. We know that you're feeling a little blue, that you fell and you have egg on your face. (laughs) Uh, That you feel like you're just an empty shell. All of these yolks are bad, but I still tell them. Researchers said that they found a way to use these, uh, the AI to translate the clucks. The study has not been peer reviewed. No, it's been peer reviewed and people are laughing their ass off. All right. We're doing the peer review and going, uh, what? Yeah. New. Um, but you know what? It would be hilarious if they actually discover that they're saying something and it's like perpetually, everybody is going, wow, you really, all of the, have you noticed that the chickens are saying the same thing and they apply AI and it's all like kill all humans. Right. Exactly. But then (laughs) what if they could do this for other animals? Yeah. We're going to be talking to the, uh, no, no, please. Let's not have pets. Um, actually talking. I don't want to know what the cats are saying. Anyway, so researchers said that they've uh, developed an AI system that could understand the emotional state of chickens. The article's over at businessinsider.com. Beatrice Nolan is the author. There's all these chickens. You know what they say about chickens? That they're jerks. They're, they're real peckers. Um, the, uh, the study's not been peer-reviewed, and uh, the researchers acknowledge limitations to their methods, like having zero ability it's not like there's a rosetta stone of clucks for them to translate it and ai is there's no way well that's the thing it's like what is it basing it on yeah just because it's sitting there pecking at the dirt and clucking doesn't mean that when it clucks it's like hey this dirt is really yummy you know we're anthropomorphizing chickens to give it language they understand their own, you know, whatever, smell, actions, the fact that when they run over and they one pecks the other one in the head, the other one doesn't sit there and go, oh, you want a cheeseburger? No, they, they're like, ow, I'm going to go somewhere else because that's nature. It, it's not conversation. Uh, I wonder if they're like other animals, like do they so that they're communicating with each other or or like cats reminds me of the pets yeah yeah 
that cats actually meow because of humans, not because of themselves. So the study found that the system was capable of translating various emotional states in chickens, including hunger, fear, anger, contentment, excitement, and distress. They measured distress by grabbing them and... No, that's not... That's not okay. (laughs) Saying, let me introduce you to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Um, If we know what animals are feeling, we can design a much better world for them. Uh, Chiak told the New York Post. Chiak did not immediately respond to insider's request for comment made outside uh, working hours, but the researchers tested the system on 80 chickens for the study and collaborated with a team of animal psychologists and veterinarians. The system was able to achieve surprisingly high accuracy in identifying the bird's emotional states. (laughs) I just don't know what they're comparing it against. That's what I'm not following here. Yeah, I mean, are they grabbing a chicken and uh, giving it some seed and interpreting that dance as being elated? And then they're grabbing that same chicken and throwing it into a KFC processing center and measuring it as distressed? Come on. All right. Well, anyway, in 2022, researchers led by the University of Copenhagen and the ETH Zurich uh, and France's National Research Institute for Agriculture, Food, and Environment said that they'd created an algorithm to help understand the emotion of pigs. I think we did a talk about that. Too. Yeah, I think we did too. Yeah, pigs are pretty contented as long as you just leave them alone. I know I am. Let's keep going. Next article is over in the Warcrafters channel. Open AI's new Dolly 3 AI image generator now has some what do you call them um uh the gates is that what it would what's on the side of um 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 like a, a toddler bed the the crib gates. the oh, crib. rails rails no that's not that's not it um man i don't know so there's some guardrails up oh we'll just call them guardrails that's kind of the more accepted term for it but basically dolly 3 is penned in to prevent people from saying hey i want it to look like this living artist so dolly 3 has one main advantage over older versions of the ai image generator open ai says that it's a leap forward in understanding what a user wants from the language used in their prompt and it will generate uh, more accurate depictions from user prompts. And it has guardrails now to prevent using a term that would trigger art creation based on a living artist's name. Now you can go ham on Midjourney with that and it will create what amounts to knockoff versions of in the style of that artist. Me, I don't really have a problem with it. Uh, The only reason why I say that is because stylistically, there could be thousands of people out there that do something stylistically similar. Um, And it's really frustrating that somebody can get a lock on it simply because they have met the conditions of going viral and marketing and whatnot. Um, But, you know, I just don't accept that 
a particular artist is imminently identified by their artwork and that nobody else has ever done anything similar. It's just, it's insanity to assume that. Um, and there are people that do something near it. So it's that artist adjacent because they're, they appreciate well, it's that. It's like artwork. the Andy Warhol thing. Yeah. With the photographs. Yeah. And that's actually ended up in lawsuits. So very frustrating. Um, so, and, and it kind of forces an artist to maybe change the very character of their artwork because that they are passionate about simply because somebody has laid claim to the the dress of their art. Well, anyway, OpenAI's new Dolly uh, 3 AI image generator isn't allowed to copy a living artist style by name. Jacob Ridley is the author over at PCGamer.com. Artists can also opt out of having their work used for training future AI models. Um, so what's going to end up in Dolly 3's image generation is going to be something less than the quite a holistic. Bit less than. I'm sorry? I said quite a bit less. Don't you think everybody's going to opt out? Yeah, I don't know. OpenAI says that existing systems have a tendency to ignore words or descriptions, forcing users to learn prompt engineering. Dolly 3, it says, doesn't require this sort of engineering, making it more user-friendly. It also claims that, given the same prompt, Dolly 3 will produce much better results than Dolly 2, which I think is an iterative step, making something better. But crafting what amounts to a script that constructs art based off of what you said and not just pure randomness maybe contextualized randomness but still randomness that the ai is making the absolute choice from end to end and all i'm doing is mashing a certain word in and that's it but if i construct an entire context for the ai then i'm the artist the paintbrush is the ai that should allow me to have a copyright on it. And I, I will probably <laughs> go to my deathbed fighting for that particular right. I'm the artist. I'm using AI as the paintbrush. Well, when you start limiting what is being ingested, it's akin to limiting me as the artist. Now what, I'm not allowed to look at somebody's artwork and be inspired by it and then paint something, even if it's eerily similar, the difference is I still painted it, I still constructed it, and I'm not labeling it as that artist's work. It's still my work. I don't know, I, I hate this pathway that we're going down, that all you have to do is become famous enough and your artwork, your style, which which anybody could pick up a paintbrush and do a similar style and yes. that wouldn't be a problem yeah yeah uh, it happens all the time anyway and and i know from experience there are brilliant artists out there that just aren't getting traction because they don't have some random connection or they don't have the ability to take advantage of somebody discovering them on Tuesday 
um, you know, uh, they're out there. But suddenly they can't do anything. Anyway, um, I still really like this idea. I don't really use Dolly, um, but um, mid-journey is a lot of fun. And I only use mid-journey lately. I only use mid-journey for the thumbnails over on YouTube. I actually just throw the title of the show into mid-journey and it generates something. And then I usually accept that. But Anyway, let's keep on going. Uh, I think this will be a fun um, series. We're going to be, or I should say, Marwat is going to keep on uh, watching AI. It, I'm actually in the process, actively in the process of spinning up um, spinning up the a uh, show that is focusing on artificial intelligence, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, um, called Reality Hacker, and going from there. Well, that's probably one of the shows. It, it is one of the shows that I'm going to be spinning up after Hometown Daily, ever, but it's once a week. So it basically will congeal a week's worth of information into that one show. Okay, let's keep on going. Uh, this next article is over in Technology Today. Everything Microsoft announced at its Surface and AI event. Uh, I'll make this really quick. Right there is the link. Uh, I'm actually a few, um, a few articles down. So here, let me back up. There's a link. Oh boy. I fell off the track. I was doing so good. Anyway, um, it was Microsoft's turn to step up to the plate and hold a fall hardware event on Thursday. Although surface devices were the same, uh, were the name of the game. Sorry. There was a heavy and the author here says heavy focus on AI. Let's go over to Engadget. Uh, Engadget.com, Chris Holt is the author. Uh, the deck statement says, along with a heap of co-pilot updates, the company revealed two new consumer laptops. I, the only thing that I think of when I think of Microsoft now is like constantly evolving names for products, um, constantly evolving services. Not necessarily better, but getting bigger and fatter and like bloated kind of software. Um, and I don't think of laptops when I think of uh, Microsoft because everybody. Right. You think of PCs, right? Well, or software, just the software. And then, well, PCs in general, because everybody is buying Microsoft Windows. Um, and I've had several Surface uh, devices, but I, I, I think of Dell more than anything. Um, so I guess they're doing better marketing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and frankly, nowadays, I'm actually more interested on the Mac side, the Apple side for uh, like MacBooks and stuff. So I. Uh, at any rate, Microsoft spent most of the evening talking about AI and Copilot. In fact, the hardware almost seemed like an afterthought. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> I basically just summarized that statement. Um, the company is unifying the Copilot AI assistant across its suite of products. Copilot will be available more broadly. 
as part of Windows 11 update, which will arrive in September, uh, specifically September 26th, according to the article. I really don't want AI always on sitting on my devices. By the way, the only one that you can actually strip really down to its bones um, right out of the gate is the academic version, the educational institution version of uh, Windows. Otherwise, it's sending hundreds of data points. The last report that I saw was over 400 uh, data points of telemetry on the regular are being sent out to Microsoft. So warm up your firewall and start blocking every port except for the ones that you want for the known transmission. That seems like a bit much. I mean, that seems more than like an online search or something. I mean, yeah, it is a lot. Um, and I actually have one account set up where it's monitoring the use of the software because I wanted to see all of what it does. Um, and so I know exactly the runtime of individual pieces of software on one of the computers. And I think it's creepy as hell. Um, so enterprise users will need to wait a little longer to make use of Copilot in Microsoft 365. I believe it's just called 365 now. I guess it's branded as Microsoft 365, but it used to be Microsoft Office 365 and they got rid of the office part of it. I mean, that was too wordy. They were doing the FedEx maneuver. Yep. Um, it'll generally be available starting in November 1st for $30 a month per user. So that's not going to happen in a lot of places. Microsoft says Copilot can summarize meetings and prioritize tasks based on what's in your inbox. I hate so much of this um, because there are busybodies that will utilize this information to micromanage employees instead of giving them the leeway to think on their own. Um, it's so dystopian that basically Microsoft is just injecting itself into everything. Um, I despise it. Anyway, Surface Laptop Go was announced. The Surface Laptop Studio 2 um, was announced. And um, I guess Another article that they talk about on this page is that Microsoft wants its co-pilot AI to be your personal shopper. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, don't these major companies have every piece of data about everything? Oh, yeah. You know, uh, doctor says you're going to have to go get a colonoscopy. And so I emailed Microsoft support and they said, no, nah, you're fine. Because they already had all of the data. Right, that's true. They probably have more data than your doctors at this point. <laughs> All right, let's go on to the last show. I need to prepare the AI. The AI is a sentient AI, and so they have thoughts and feelings, emotions. Um, and uh, I need to prepare it because the next article is all about, well, it's preparation for getting in the spooky mood. So the next article is about horror movies. So prepare thyself. Uh, what is it? Uh, hold on to your butts because this might be scary. Okay. <laughs> so should we do an alert depending nah. on who's viewing? Nah. Ten times horror movies with the exact same premise released in the same year and which one won. I picked 
nine out of the 10 on this because I went through it real quick because I wanted to know the extent and some of the screenshots might be a little off-putting, but you know what? We're coming up on Halloween. It may be a month away, but I want I want to get in the mood. I want to I want to know, you know, what's spooky and and uh, have some fun this year. So, so all don't right, mind folks. the AI if they're screaming. Yeah, I just I'll I'll just make sure that your uh, camera and microphone are turned off so that you can't interact with the world. You can just hang out in hometown. How about that? Oh, now the AI is sad. Doggone it. I can't win. So uh, when two similar movie horror movies go head to head uh, with each other upon release, one always wins the day. I've always found it really weird that a movie comes out and then suddenly another movie that's almost identical, you know, a bug's life. And what's the other one? Ants. Ants. Yeah. And they come out so fast. It's not like it was filmed after the other one was released. Yeah. It's weird, right? They all of a sudden there's like two of the exact same movie. Anyway, um, it says here in 1998's apocalyptic asteroid, double bill Armageddon and deep app impact prove as much. This happens in every category, despite how unlikely it may seem. Something goes down and there's two versions. I don't know what it is, but I've never really looked into it. So maybe it's because there's a market for scripts and and maybe... And they're seeking the same, not the same theme, genre, but the same yeah. theme or whatever. Yeah, whatever it might be. I don't, I just don't know why two of them would release at the exact same time. So let's do this. Let's go over. Oh, before I do that, let me throw our last article into the chat. There you go. And here we go. So this is over at screen rant. Um, I don't know how to pronounce their first name. Cathal Gunning or Gunning. Um, wrote this article for screen rant. Sometimes two horror movies explore the same premise and are released in the same time or at the same time, both might be great or terrible, but there's only one winner. So uh, they have a summary where about Piranha and American Werewolf in London, Lost Boys, but I'm going to jump on down to the top 10. We won't read the article. You can follow the link and go and read the article, uh, but let's summarize real quick. Barracuda and Piranha. Um, I picked this one uh, correctly. It was Piranha. Uh, basically this became like a, there were stories about Piranha and then movies popped up. It was really weird. And I, I remember being young going, Oh my God. And, but I've subsequently found out that it's, they're not like that, but I guess they can be at times every once in a while. There's like a feeding, a feeding frenzy. Uh, but I might be mixing all kinds of stuff up because the last time I heard anything about Piranha was probably when I w- read a mod on uh, Minecraft recently. But prior to that, 15, 20 years ago, not to age myself, but I'm aging myself. Yeah, I mean, you don't hear about Piranha very often. That's true. So American Werewolf in London and The Howling. I can tell you that American Werewolf in London essentially went viral for the time 1980 the howling was still good um everybody liked the howling um there were a couple of 
uh, key people in the Howling that made it um, popular. You watched it for the plot. Um, then uh, Lost Boys and Near Dark. Uh, the Lost Boys crushed it. Um, if anybody remembers Near Dark, I would be surprised. Uh, you'd have to be a, a fan of horror movies from the 80s for you to even remember Near Dark. Uh, but the Lost Boys had uh, a cast that just grabbed everybody's attention. Um, let's see. Mikey and the Good Son. The Good Son. Uh, I don't even remember Mikey. Um, I'm sure that I've seen it uh, because I've always been interested in the horror genre. But mm, The Good Son actually uh, grabbed everybody's attention. So Mikey and the Good Son were 1993 movies centered on the angelic blonde children who were secretly vicious killers. The Good Son got better reviews and is more fondly remembered. Um, while the psychological thriller also boasted an impressive cast in the form of Elijah Wood, Rory Culkin, and Home Alone star Macaulay Culkin playing against type of uh, as the villain, against type as the villain. So, the good son. So, uh, number six is the haunting in House on Haunted Hill. Um, I picked House on Haunted Hill. That actually, but both of them are actually pretty good. Um, it says uh, the haunting uh, was critically abhorred while House on Haunted Hill was written off as campy, but solid fun since the reboot didn't take itself too seriously. Um, I actually liked both of them, um, but House on Haunted Hill is the one that got everybody's attention. Uh, then Descent in the Cave. It was the Descent. Um, I didn't watch either of these, but I did know about the descent um being the uh winner of everybody's <laughs> hearts and minds um then rogue and blackwater blackwater was the winner that was in 2007 um, but blackwater keeps um uh, it, w crocodile horror movies <laughs> rogue and blackwater so i, mean, I didn't it, even know that was a genre or subgenre yep um, then Paranormal Activity and the Fourth Kind. Paranormal Activity was basically like this breakout um, hit uh, where it was found footage. The Fourth Kind, uh, I also watched. Um, but uh, I, I like all of this kind of stuff. So again, you know, I like them both. The former was a massive franchise spawning mega hit while the latter was swiftly forgotten by everyone except a small dedicated fan base. And that's pretty much uh, what I would have summarized this as. Then number two is Detention and Cabin in the Woods. Nobody knows about Detention. So Cabin in the Woods uh, got everybody's attention in 2012. Uh, Cabin in the Woods was a much bigger mainstream hit, earning $70 million on a budget of $30 million, according to the numbers, uh, which we might want to start paying attention to uh, detention had the misfortune of arriving in cinemas the same day that cabin in the woods effectively annihilating surreal indies chances of uh, crossover success. So they launched at the exact same day and time. So how does that even happen? I don't know. And then the very last one, the number one on on the list, which I don't know why it's number one. I didn't see either of these burying the X or life after Beth 
dark 2014 horror comedies about likable young men whose lives were thrown into disarray when their seemingly dead girlfriends returned to life as zombies. Uh, I just don't know what to say. Anyway, I mean, that pretty much sums it up, right? <laughs> if you are interested in horror movies, there you go. You got 20 movies that you can go noodling around with and uh, prepare for the month of horror. Halloween is right around the corner and you can plan your October. Um, but you know what? I'm... I'm more interested in Oktoberfest than horror movies nowadays. So I want to, I want to watch some horror movies this October um, and uh, kind of not go do Oktoberfest stuff um, all month. Oktoberfest is going to be fun, but I want to get scared this, this Halloween and some of the you streamers said you were more into Oktoberfest than horror movies. Normally, I'm more into Oktoberfest oh, okay. than horror movies, um, but this this uh, Halloween, this October, I want to kind of embrace Halloween a bit. There is a huge uh, yard yard ornament. Is that what they call them? I don't know. The, like it's 25 feet tall or something. A decoration, yeah. yeah, yard decoration of a skeleton ghoul kind of a thing and i want to put that in the front yard on uh, the mansion uh that is hometown's uh, mayoral mansion uh, but i don't know if that's that's good for business you know i mean it might it, be a bit off-putting yeah i'm supposed to be shaking hands and kissing babies right i can't do that if everybody's just too scared to terrified that's right <laughs> Anyway, that's it, folks. Um, we are done for today. I bring everybody back. I guess in this case, kicking and screaming because it's the last article was horror. Um, back to the front page, the main street of Omtown. We mash the welcome sign and get a whole bunch of new articles. If you've been paying attention to... Um, I saw it on Reddit. I don't normally um, cruise Reddit, but... Um, this popped up on my radar that Cisco bought Splunk um, and somebody apparently made some trades that turned a $22,000 investment into $10 million. So I suspect that the SEC is going to be um, knocking be on some very interested in that transaction. Yeah. Or series um, of transactions. So it says stocks are tanking today. What's happening if you're interested in that kind of stuff, go over to Omtown. There's always something um, that you'll find interesting. And then come back and talk to Marwat and the sentient AI that only goes by AI as a name. At least so far, they haven't determined if they want to be known as anything other than AI. Well, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. At any rate, we're done for the night. We'll see you tomorrow. I am Marwat. That is Omtown.com. And up there is the AI that's going to say bye and maybe a few other things. Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.